Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. It's hard enough being a mom and the last thing you need is stress from too much stuff and an overcrowded schedule. For too long, I lived with the mindset that bigger was better and the more I added to my life, instead of feeling better, I felt overwhelmed. It was time for a radical new mindset, less is more. I'm not into extremes, I didn't throw everything away. My brand of minimalism is more about adding than subtracting. Get rid of the excess to make room for what you love. In other words, it's about living life with purpose. I hope you'll listen in as my guests and myself can inspire you to think more and do with less. The main idea of minimalist design is simplicity. Less is more. Everything needs a place and a reason. But does that mean that you have to throw everything out just to capture minimalist style? Of course not. Joining me today is interior designer Alexis Miklovich of G. Everett Designs. She is here to discuss design tips, color theory, and more tips for how minimalist interior design can make your space feel larger and less stressful. But before we get there, I quickly want to share my minimalist moment of the week. I want to share a thought that I've been having in regards to creating a life with intention. I was getting my hair cut the other day and the woman cutting my hair had told me that she was previously in home insurance. She told me that she didn't enjoy it and she was actually at the same salon that I was at when her hairstylist said, hey, you really seem to enjoy doing hair, you're curious about it. Have you ever thought about going to salon school? She hadn't considered it, but that idea got the ball rolling. She enrolled herself and now she's a stylist at a lovely salon in Columbus. What she kept emphasizing was how miserable she was doing something just for the money. And I told her about how recently I've been processing our insight into other people's lives and that we see the way that other people are living their lives. We're seeing their goals that they're achieving. We're seeing the houses that they're buying, the cars that they're driving, the things that they're buying. And yet we would never have known those things even 40 years ago unless we were in close relationship with those people. Unless you saw the girl from high school on a regular basis, you wouldn't know what the inside of her home looked like. You wouldn't know that she was carrying around a designer handbag. It's only now that we have this access to one another where we can compare what we don't have or what we feel like we should have. The way that it correlates with that girl at the salon is that she was miserable in a position that she felt that she needed to take in order to make a living, in order to make a way. However, when she actually when she actually identified what it was that she wanted for her life, it wasn't slaving away behind a computer for eight hours. And on the flip side of that, there are a lot of people that enjoy the consistency of a nine to five. They know what their days are going to look like and they use that time outside of work intentionally or they have financial goals. They want to live in a certain home or maybe they just have to. But I think for your everyday person, if we just put the blinders on and really honed our focus to the things that we want most for our lives, if we didn't have this insight to what other people were doing, how would we choose to craft our lives for ourselves, for our partnerships, for our kids? Maybe you would homeschool, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you would work less, maybe you would work more. Maybe you would move, maybe you would downsize, maybe you need some more space. I can't answer this for you, but it's something to consider as we recognize how much access we have to one another and were we ever meant to have that access. So I hope that gives you something to think about this week. I know I've been thinking a lot about that lately. So, all right, I wanna get into this conversation with Alexis. She's actually local to Columbus, Ohio. So check out Jay Everett Designs if you're in Columbus. We actually got connected through her husband who is friends with Matt and Sean 
of the Dadass podcast that I was on earlier in the year. So fun connections. As I said, I'm loving talking to people from Columbus, entrepreneurs, interesting people, people trying to live with intention. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Alexis. Well, Alexis, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. I'm excited to chat with you too because you're local to Columbus and we were able to connect and that was one of the things that I, I guess it was one of the goals that I had this year for the podcast was to talk to more women and men from Columbus that were like-minded and have expertise that they can bring to the show. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about what your expertise is and then we'll get into the conversation. Awesome. So my name's Alexis Mikalovich. Um, Yep. So I live here in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in Cincinnati, so not too far. Went to Ohio State and um, have kind of stuck around since. So I own my own business, G. Everett Interior Design and Project Services. So we're a full service interior design shop, but we also handle um, project management services for our clients when it comes to construction, um, new build homes, demos, renovations, all that stuff. So I started my business almost, gosh, six years ago. It'll be six years in October. So I wanted some flexibility as I had a young family and um, just wanted to kind of like be my own boss. I always knew that it was something that I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid was start my own company. So been doing that for a while. I've worked in some different corporate spaces. I've worked in retail, um, doing design work. And then, like I said, six years ago, went out on my own. Yeah, absolutely. And today we're going to be talking about what it has looked like for you being in clients' homes, some things that you've seen that might not be as efficient, the way that we're setting up our homes that might not be as efficient as we could be. You're going to talk about color theory, which I'm really curious about. And yeah, just anything else in regards to interior design and where we might be going wrong or things that we could do to set our houses up for success. Why don't we first get into, hmm, which path do you want to take first? Yeah, let's talk about getting our homes kind of set up for success and like what we see. So the first thing that we always do when we have a new client is we do an in-person consultation and that's us going into the actual space that they're living in for renovations and furniture, things like that. If it's a new build space, obviously we don't have that space to walk into, but we're very familiar with navigating floor plans and everything else. So we really always try and understand like what the needs are that we're trying to tackle with our clients. And a lot of times our clients come to us because They're busy moms, dads, individuals. They don't have time to do any of this work themselves. And frankly, they don't have the, you know, capabilities to do some of this. So when we go into their house, we're really trying to help problem solve for them. And a lot of times that comes down to us trying to figure out ways that we can help them first kind of declutter their houses too. So if we're tackling a massive like renovation project or a bathroom renovation and all that sort of stuff, we really like take it down to the basic level at first to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve? What is that function that they need to make better for themselves? So not just even trying to make something prettier, but what is the function that they need to have happen in that house? For example, when we've done like a great room renovation, you know, they might be living with furniture that's just not usable for them. It doesn't work for their growing family. It could be things that they just have way too much of it in the space. 
So first we kind of want to understand like, what is the needs of that space? They trying to entertain, are they trying to hang out as a family? You know, does it make sense where they've placed their couch relationship to their TV, all of that sort of stuff. So really like we're trying to get to the basic level of like what the function is for the work that we're trying to do. Absolutely. And just having that plan, I think is really important when you are, I mean, with anything, you want to have a plan and it helps you execute a lot more efficiently. People will go into decluttering or organization and they just want to pull everything out or they don't know where to start because they haven't sat down and thought what actually is going to work best for me. And also to consider the season that you're in, not even necessarily saying what would I like and what would look best in my opinion. It's like, well, is that actually functional for someone with three kids? And like understanding that you brought up a great point, the season that you're in, we always understand that for our clients. Like I'm never going to recommend a $5,000 rug for a client when you've got kids and pets that are going to be traipsing all over it, you know, so you really want to like really understand what that season is that they're trying to live within. Yeah, I know that was one of the things that I asked you when we had coffee was what kind of rug do you recommend? Because I have this wool rug from West Elm that it wasn't a complete splurge, but you were like, yeah, you should have done this type of material instead, which what did you recommend again? Like a polyester, a polypropylene kind of rug. Those are nowhere, it's not the quality of a wool, but like you don't feel as guilty if something gets spilled on it, it's much more cost effective to replace and you don't feel as guilty about that. Okay, well, I want to talk a little bit more about examples that you've seen in your work that have been game changers for moms. Yeah, so I think when we, again, when we're talking about a renovation a kitchen project, great room, kids nursery, whatever it is, we always start with really understanding spatial design. So you don't want to ever fill a room with furniture that isn't going to fit in that room or fill a kitchen with tons of cabinets that aren't usable cabinets because they're too small for like what you need. So we really like always try and start with that spatial plan first, whether that's a floor plan, whether that's us trying to utilize other furniture that our clients have that we can utilize, but really understand that spatial design. I never want to go into a project where we're filling the room in its entirety. I mean, if you look at any good design, especially the way that design kind of trends, you can see that it's moving more towards a total minimalist look. So not having clutter, not having oversized furniture for the space, bringing in lots of light. We always look at that whenever we're designing, what are ways that we can bring in more and more natural light that helps with our client's mood, that helps with not needing a lot of synthetic light. So just overall health improvement, we all know from outdoor light in our, in our spaces. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. It's funny. This is another just Diane thing. But my husband always says I live in a cave because if it's a cloudy day, I don't turn lights on. I just want the natural light to come in from the windows. But there is something about that synthetic light, that overhead light that is, I don't know, it doesn't put me in a bad mood. It's not that serious. But it's just curious to see how those things enhance our moods. Yeah, well, I mean, in the moods just in general, like on a sunny day here in Columbus versus on a cloudy day, everyone's mood is completely different. Sadly, we have a lot of cloudy days. I do think it's curious that you're saying that 
people are moving towards a more minimalist or sparse layout. I don't think that that means completely bare or nothing on the walls. But I do wonder if people are starting to have self-awareness enough to say stuff causes chaos in my brain in, in my life. And I don't need that. If I can attack it here, then I can actually focus on what is important and what actually is maybe out of my control. But these are the things we can control. Well, in a post COVID era where a lot of us are still working from home, so you're not separating your work life anymore. It's kind of all merged together is more of a reason too, where I feel like we need to like be more intentional with what our spaces look like, because now we're doing a lot more within that same space. It's not just my home life and my work life. They're kind of all merged together. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point as well, especially someone that lives in a smaller space. I was talking to Tidy Dad, and he was talking about how his spaces have to be multifunctional because they live in New York City, and so they have to have it that way. But what are a couple of other examples that you've seen, actual practical examples that you've seen that maybe someone listening could implement that has been a game changer? Yeah, I would say one thing that we always help to is facilitate um, kind of the final stages of like your decor and artwork. And we're very intentional with what goes back on a wall. So after you've done this renovation, after we've painted, after we've put in new flooring, whatever it is, let's be intentional about what goes back on a wall because that's your sight line. So, you know, you see all of that. So I want it to feel, again, very personal for our clients, but I also don't want to just smatter a bunch of stuff on the walls. So getting down to understanding with them, do they have kids' pictures that they want to put back on? How can we make that look personal in their space and apply to their home, but also not just like thrown back up on a wall? How can we make it like, do we do different kinds of frames, you know, create similar like vignettes for them? Do we do, um, I've got a client who we're doing a basement renovation where we going to be like, kids hangout space but also an adult hangout space and so what we're putting back on the walls all again relates to the color that we have down in their space so it's not bright or obtrusive it relates to columbus because that's something that's very personable to them so just not overdoing anything that goes back onto your wall So I want to wrap up talking about color theory and maybe why we should consider color theory. Well, first, why don't you go ahead and explain color theory? Color theory has been around for a really long time, and that's more of the study of how different colors can make you feel the psychology behind colors. I mean, there's a lot of research out there that comes to like the colors that we wear and how that's different than the colors that we see in buildings or in homes, how that's different than the colors that you see in a children's hospital or play areas, things like that. You know, there's a lot of bright colors and playlands for kids or sunny, um, you know, natural colors in like children's hospital that then translate to colors that, you know, retailers use for kind of attracting people into different spots. So Color theory for homes is a little bit different. We obviously, again, starting with the basics for our client, we want to make sure that whatever color we're putting into their home 
is something that they like. We're never going to recommend a purple if they're like, we hate purple, we find it to be offensive. The basics of color kind of comes down to how you pull that into your house. So we always say 60% of your client's home should be a dominant color, whether that's white, whether that's a gray, whether that's a brown, whether that's a blue, whatever it is. And for us, we always start at a neutral. So that is something that you won't get tired of easily. It's something that you find calming for your, you know, your own personal space, something that's tranquil, that won't be jarring or won't be over energizing for you within your home. So 60% of your home should be that dominant color. And then we've got about 30% should be your secondary palette. So that's where you can pop it up a little bit with some other colors that you would find that you like. For us, we use a lot of blues and greens because again, the theory behind them, especially in a more pale, subdued way is creating this tranquil environment. It also, blues and greens are colors that bring a lot of the environmental elements inside. So there's a lot of theory and a lot of research out there about how bringing outdoors in. So whether that's in faux plants or real plants, whether that's in, again, lighting, all of this sort of stuff, bringing outdoors in is really good for your mental health and really good just for your overall health. So we do that a lot in decor items, in rugs, in fabrics, and textiles. We bring in that kind of 30% of that pop of color and then 10% should be that punch. So that extra color that you're adding in that makes you feel good, that's just 10% throughout your house. And that can be done so that when you do tire of that color or when you're done with that color, it's more cost effective to change that out. So again, if that's in a pillow and you're like, I did this yellow pillow, now I'm kind of tired of yellow, much easier to change that out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for people trying to pursue minimalism, I hear, oh, I'm going to replace this because I don't like it. Then why would I have bought it? But that's not really the minimalism or the pursuit of less that I'm trying to live by, I guess. I guess that's not the message of this show. It's to love the things that you currently have. And it doesn't mean that you're going to not change your mind or evolve. And I think that that's okay. And people kind of get stuck on some... Is that Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're saying the pillow, for example. If you don't love it, and you don't need it, don't buy it. Or if you're like, I'm going to just have this for a time and then I'm going to get rid of it. But I think that that's okay to say, I'm going to have this for a time, enjoy it while I have it. And then when I stop enjoying it, I'm going to get rid of it. I just think there can be rigidity. I'm just saying this, I guess, as a blanket statement that I think there can be rigidity when it comes to buying too much stuff or the wrong stuff, or we have to know what we need to buy for our homes. And it's like, it's okay to figure it out. Don't overbuy if you're really uncertain and pause. But to say that you are never going to change your style or want things that are different, I don't think that's realistic. I think that that is just setting yourself up for failure. And, you know, when it's done in the right way, a pillow is another good example because that's something that wears. It's very useful for your home. It provides comfort for your family. So it's not something that's completely extra, but it is something that wears down. So that is a good example of, okay, like let's let's utilize it to its fullest. And then when it's done, we, we can replace or can we live without? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, did you have any other word of encouragement that you wanted to share with the listeners before we wrap up? 
I really want to drive home that everything within your home should serve a purpose. So first starting whenever you're working through any type of project within your own home is first figuring out what the purpose is of why I'm making this change or why I'm doing something and then figuring out what that, you know, how to utilize your space best. So starting at the basics of how do I want this space to function? And how is the best way that I can serve that function within this space? Yes, that's great advice. Well, Alexis, where can listeners connect with you? Again, you're local to Columbus. So where can they find you and connect with you online? Yeah, so we have a great Instagram page. We're G Everett Design on Instagram. We've got, you know, a Facebook page, same G Everett Interior Design. And then we also have a, a beautiful website that showcases some of our work too. Well, this was great, Alexis. Thanks so much. I'm so glad we were able to connect with one another. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.